Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by only Barnabas Piper. Uh, Pipe, we have some breaking news. Um, I will cue the breaking news music. Dun, 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 dun. This is me shuffling papers around in the newsroom. So uh, the breaking news, Piper, is that uh, our good friend in, in radio, Ronald J. Martin, will be uh, not only taking a sabbatical from his church, but also taking a sabbatical from this program uh, until live in Louisville. So um, this this was a resounding blow just throughout the radio community. Lots of shock waves, and and uh, I'm still I'm, I'm still processing. I'm sure you are. I don't I don't presume to to speak for where you're at on this pipe. But uh, do you have any any thoughts? Any any words for Ronald uh, in this time. I don't know if he's sabbaticaling from even listening to the program. Well, um, I, I believe he is because when, when he, when he surreptitiously got me this news, he, he made allusion to needing a complete and utter break from his electronic devices. Uh, mm. So I, I believe that, I believe that he is, that he's not going to listen to this. So we can say whatever we want. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's completely separate. The, this is a very telling thing about our day and age because when he when he told me, and I'm sure our listeners are thinking the same thing, you know, and he used an excuse like I need a total sabbatical. You know, I'm on the sabbatical, yeah. so I spent part of it doing it this way, and now I need to do part of it this way. All of that blank space just leaves room for the imagination to run as to what's really going on here. Like, did he get a better offer from another podcast? Is he planting another Ooh. campus of his church? Like, <laughs> what, what's the Ooh. actual reason here? That's That was the question yeah. that goes through my mind. But but I also believe, like, I probably have to trust what he says. Um, yeah. I, I'm just not sure. Pipe, just from a business standpoint, what – what do we do? What's our next move if he shows up on another podcast uh, in the near future? How how are we going to handle that internally as a company? Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like he needs to be on like podcast probation at this point. Um, you know, so yeah. I, I, which means he's he's allowed back, but maybe like limited limited speaking capacity. Um, That's right. We'll put you him know, on a word count, like yeah, a pitch count. Word, yeah, like or like a, like a question count. Like you, you know, you're yeah. always teeing up questions, but you know, you're like, I'm going to throw this one your way, Ron. But like, Ron only gets one question per podcast if he decides to come back. Yep. Now he swore up and down and forward and backwards that he would be back for uh, together for the rant. Like that was his. Like he's yeah. he's committed to that blood, sweat, and yep. tears, which is good to know. Um, this yeah. is not a Stephen Altrogi uh, disappearing into rehab and then into the ether situation. Um, He's a public appearance guy. Ron, Ron puts on for public appearances. I mean, that's that's his thing. So uh, I would be shocked if he didn't join us on stage uh, at the Yum Center for uh, Together for the Rant. But uh, but yeah, we will we will keep tabs on this Piper for the audience because I'm sure they're going to have questions. Uh, it's natural for them to do so, and uh, we will try our best to be as transparent as possible with um, with the information that we have, which, to be honest, is not a lot at this point. Yeah, and I, I mean the the only fear that I really have is that it, 
you know, a three a three person podcast depends on three unique personalities. And so like on the days when Ted shows up and just doesn't care, which yeah. does happen which on often. occasion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and by occasion, I mean half of our podcast. Absolutely. Uh, I it's it's very helpful because then Ronnie might bring a little extra energy and I feel like a little bit of a yeah. burden in that instance. Or if, you know, if Ronnie's feeling mm-hmm. glum one day, then then, yeah. you know, we need to bring the extra. But like. When it's just two people, there's there's just an added amount of pressure. The dynamic changes. We'll see. We'll see if we can pull this off. Yeah, we we sure will. And um, yeah, we may send him down to the miners for a little rehab assignment. Um, is that, as like, he's is that like the gut check pod or like El no, it'd be like pod a tr- or what Trogues is this? Pod. Okay. What, what, yeah, whatever Trogues is into th- this month, podcasting wise, we may send Ron down there to just kind of get his get his voice back, get his chops back for a couple of episodes until we we bring him back up to the big leagues. You know. Yeah, and you know Trogues would love that because he would think he's getting a new host uh, only to realize that it's like – it's what they call a, a cup of coffee in the minors. It's a cup of cup. Ron would be having a cup of coffee and no more. But, dude, you know Trogues, his dream of dreams is to is to co-host a pod with Ron Martin because I think there's some, there's some music industry man crush happening there. And, and Ron seems like – Ron seems like the kind of music industry guy that Trogues feels like he could have access to. You know what I mean? It's kind of like if you were a – like if you were a little girl in the 80s or 90s, you would pick like the fat Backstreet Boy to have a crush on. I, I feel like that's the that's the, that's the equivalent of Trokes kind of having a crush on Ron. Not Ronnie. That Ron is fat. Ronnie, Ronnie, yeah, that's right. He's scrawny, Ronnie, but uh, but he's also but he's also the fat Backstreet Boy. He's the accessible one. You know what I mean? So I, I think I could I could see that. I could see a little rehab assignment with the Trokes podcast. But Piper, speaking of being glum, I have been unspeakably glum is too strong, but I've, I've been really glum this week. So due to a variety of things, um, this has been a very glum week for me. And, and one of the things though, that has brought me again, joy is too strong of a word because I don't think I felt anything akin to joy all week. But, um, one of the things Man, that made me gloomy. less glum, it is gloomy, but I'm, I'm about to turn it. I'm about to turn it around. One of the things that made me less glum was the absolute outpouring of love and attention and video clips of this skier, a half-pipe skier in the Olympics, who basically is doing the equivalent of what we talked about on the show last week um, when we talked about a figure skater skating glumly around in a circle. So this woman, her whole thing is, you know, half-pipes, you're supposed to, like, get big air and do tricks and, and flip around in the air and whatnot. And her whole thing is just to go back and forth and not fall down. Am I right? Yeah, she basically just, you know, she starts at the top of this, you know, it's a long downhill half pipe and they usually go back and forth with, like you said, the big ear and she just goes up one side and down and up the other side and down and she just turns at the top and goes back down. I mean, it's like, it's, uh, it, it's like watching a screensaver, like an old school yeah. screensaver where the thing just sort of bounces around on your screen hypnotically. It, it is, it is hypnotic. Yes, it is hypnotic and I absolutely love it. It's the most respectable olympic thing i've seen in forever i I love i love how bold and forthcoming she is about it and uh, i i think this woman is a hero because here's the thing if you get fourth in half pipe skiing and and let's be honest even if you get first or second or third everyone's forgotten your name in a week it's nothing it's it's not to diminish the accomplishment but in the world's eyes it's absolutely nothing i think we're going to be talking about this woman for decades I think that's how this this is going to be an evergreen Olympic story that every four years is going to come back and be told. And I think she is a legend. So 
Uh, what's your name, Pipe? What's this girl's uh, you, name that we're talking? Uh, you know, nine hundred listeners who sent it in to me are yelling at me right now. I have no idea. Yeah. I didn't actually look. I only went because they were just like the 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 overwhelming message that was sent to us is this is the thing that ted was talking about like he wanted to see it this is it if only he was on twitter to see this video so uh you did see dude the video. i feel i feel really loved by our listeners that, that they would remember and equate like that story with me the fact that they're thinking about us after hours is very powerful isn't it piper like they're they're sitting at home watching the olympics going yes ted ted would like this um isn't it's, that a warm feeling? It is. It's it's almost like you were watching the Olympics with them, which is maybe the only way that watching the Olympics would be enjoyable. Yeah, and that's maybe the only way that I would watch the Olympics because I would never actually watch it. So watching it kind of cosmically with them, it's enough. You know, it's enough for me because this story is really the only thing out of it that I would have wanted to see. So um, thank you to our listeners. Thank you to our listeners anyway, just for listening, for downloading every every app. Uh, for being involved on Twitter, for buying your Together for the Rant tickets, which uh, you should do if you haven't done so already at happyrantpodcast.com. Thank you to our listeners for drinking uh, Ligaris Roaster's Happy Rant Signature Blend, um, a.k.a. the greatest coffee on the planet. Um, so thank you for all of those things. And Pipe, we have um, some other ground to cover today. So you have viewed the movie Black Panther and if you've been living under a rock, Black Panther is like the, the biggest cultural item. It, it, it's really kind of dwarfed the Olympics, I think, in terms of the amount of dialogue and kind of the crackle of, of excitement that surrounded this movie. And there are some striking similarities in that there are it's it is there's a lot uh, of spandex. In there's, both yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of bright costumes and, and tight costumes. Yep. There's a lot of yep. um, American people um, being all geeked about people of other cultures. Um, the only difference is that the Black Panther was awesome and the Winter Olympics suck. So, I mean, that that, that would be the the single biggest disparity. That would be the one, the one glaring difference. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's notable. Piper, I'm fascinated by this movie and I want to ask you several things about it. But one of the reasons I'm fascinated by it is that any story in our culture in which – the agenda for the story is kind of set ahead of time. And I don't know this. I don't know if this was a brilliant turn of marketing on behalf of the people behind the Black Panther or if it was just, you know, a kind of a lucky a lucky happenstance. But I feel like the narrative on this movie was set in stone, wherein even if it was a mediocre movie, you weren't allowed to say anything other than that was so great. That was so powerful. Now, I haven't seen the picture. And to be fair, I probably won't, not because I don't like it, but I just practically I don't get to the theater to see a lot of these comic book movies. Um, so I want you to summarize the movie and then talk about why you loved it. And then I'll have some other questions for you. All right, well, I'm going to start with the obligatory. There may be spoilers in this because sure. that could happen. So if you haven't seen the movie, I'm going to try not to give anything away. But like, if you want no discussion of it, well, good luck because it's everywhere. But I'm going to try not to ruin it. Uh, but to your point about like that, that uh, it was set up to be a movie that you were sort of obliged to say it's powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I saw a lot of comments by – you know, black journalists and and influencers and entertainers prior to the release that that were addressing that very thing. And they were basically saying, man, I hope this is good. 
Like they were mm, super excited, yeah. but they were also super nervous because yeah. of the potential cultural impact of it if sure. it was good. Yeah. Uh, and so I, this, the second thing about the hype of it is that hype tends to disappoint always. Yeah. You know, So yeah. like the last Star Wars movie was a good instance. Like if there had been no hype mm-hmm. about that, I would have thought it was a, it was a pretty fun movie. Uh, because, yeah, because of all the hype, I was like it was disappointing, which I don't think yeah. was entirely fair. But right. I felt like this one lived up to the hype across the board. I thought – interesting. I mean I – I'm inclined to like the Marvel movies. I enjoy those. I'm not a comic book nerd. Like, I've never read comic books. But in terms of the movies, I've seen them all. Um, I've enjoyed them all kind of for what they are. Um, And this was the best one, Um, I think, just as a movie. Like, if this was not part of a universe, if it wasn't wasn't part of, like, this grander story, it was just a standalone movie, uh, Uh. it – it was just really good. The performances were great. The writing was great. The the artistry of film, like they, it was a big budget film, and they used the budget well. It didn't feel yeah. sort of bloated and and yeah. uh, you know Michael Bayish. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And dude, it, yeah, it was just no. Was, go ahead, go ahead. Well, and, and the other thing was, it, I have to be careful how I say this, but I think I'm just you know yeah. be, being a white guy, I have to be careful. You forget. I forgot that I was watching a movie in which there were almost no white characters. Okay. It, it felt to me like just watching an exceptional film. Um, I do believe that if you are a black person watching that movie, you never forgot that everybody on the screen looked like you. And some of the most powerful responses I've seen have been people saying essentially that. Like this is this is the first Hollywood blockbuster that they've ever seen where mm. literally every single major character is black and yeah. there's a couple white characters but they're really more like they're like the 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 goofy sidekicks they're not the yeah. main they're not the main characters so my overall take was it lived up to the hype it is a cultural phenomenon and it was as powerful as one would hope it would be and it didn't disappoint on that front either yeah that's really interesting it it occurs to me that so a movie that came out like six months ago that a lot of people didn't see and the people that saw it didn't like it. Um, it was it was Detroit. Do you remember this movie? Um, I I it didn't was, see it. About, it. I, I didn't see it, but I know I know what it is. I know of it. Yeah, it was really gritty, really tough. It was about race riots in Detroit, and it was a race movie, right? It was a it was a social conscience type movie that I think wanted to generate all of the kind of positive energy that Black Panther generated but failed to do so for a variety of reasons. Um, but the fact that, you know, Black Panther was able to garner that kind of energy, I think it's just powered it through the whole thing. Well, and and, and what, what Black Panther did, I mean, thinking about it versus Detroit, knowing what that movie was um, yeah. or a movie like um, Fruitvale Station from a few years ago and, yeah. s- and some of those, yeah. is that those are racial conflict movies. So sure. they're, they are drawing attention to the inequalities and the injustices Mm-hmm. very pronounced uh, in- injustices and Black Panther flipped the script and it mm-hmm. essentially said this is the, the entire thing is is really I mean not the entire thing but the majority of it is set in a, a country in Africa that is the most high powered and wealthy country that nobody mm-hmm. knows about because they've kept it a secret and and so it, yeah. it just it, it creates an, al- an alternate reality in ours 
that that opens the eyes to what could be. That I think that was yeah. the most powerful aspect. Is like, oh, this could be. And yes, it's a superhero movie, so there are going to be people who scoff at that. But that was the spirit of it. So instead of yeah, saying, yeah. "Look at what's broken," it was saying, yeah. "Look at the possibilities. Look at the 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 brilliance and the power and uh-huh. the strength and dignity of people who have basically been spit on for hundreds of years yeah. in in our actual society." Yeah, it's a fascinating premise, and it and it begs the question: What do you think will come after it? Um, do you think we'll see a similar kind of model happening in in big budget, you know, uh, wide release Hollywood pictures? Well, I mean, I, I saw a statistic that just showed that the you know in recent releases, uh, you know, the last year or so, there have been a, mm-hmm. a series of really successful movies directed by and starring either uh, either minorities or women. Yeah. which is not a his- historical Hollywood trend. And basically yeah. the person who posted it was just like, I hope Hollywood gets a clue that these are movies that, that resonate with people and yeah. there's a market for them. And I have to say, it's refreshing to go see because because like one of the previews for this one was another Mission Impossible movie. Like watching yeah. old Tom Cruise hang from rocks and run really fast, like, it's boring. <laughs> it's just boring. Dude, Russell, it so is. Russell Crowe is boring. Ryan Gosling is boring. Like – these yeah. are these are boring actors, whereas this whole reality was like it felt like it was opening a door not and not just into the world of the the film itself, but yeah, but like into the the world for Hollywood to do some actual creative things for the first time in a decade and a half. Dude, that whole Mission Impossible franchise to me is the most boring thing, and for some reason I always get roped into watching those movies, and I always expect to feel something that. Other than what I end up feeling when I watch the movie, which is just yeah. that I've wasted two hours well, and I'm they're, bored. They're like a crappy American James Bond, and James Bond is already pretty lowbrow. Like pretty I, crappy. Yeah. I enjoy the Daniel Craig James James Bond movies, but like the Mission Impossible yeah. ones are like that without any British accents, without any class, with crummier yeah. gadgets, and with worse yeah. acting. Like literally everything about them is worse, and yet they still yeah. keep cranking them out. Dude, I always get excited to watch the 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 James Bond movies and then invariably every time I watch one like 20 minutes into it I'm like checking my phone or reading or <laughs> like asleep. multitasking in some other way <laughs> yeah and I'm like this thing can't even hold my attention it's like a two and a half hour television show that's not that great you know um that's how these movies come off but um that's that's super interesting pipe I may have to see Black Panther um only on the on the strength of your recommendation but i've heard across the board from everybody that i respect like that it's a truly great movie and the thing is i think you should go see it not thinking of it as like part of this marvel uh marvel universe marvel series but to go see it and say just like you as a film enjoyer and critic and student like what do you think of it in terms of storytelling and acting and and then just kind of all the aspects we just talked about i'd be fascinated to hear what you have to say Who's the main guy in it? Is it is it Michael B. Jordan? He is the main villain. Um, okay. Uh, why Chadwick Boseman? I think is his name. Okay. Uh, he's the guy who played uh, Jackie Robinson in the movie Forty Two. Yeah. He played. Uh, he he has played. He has played a whole bunch of like seminal black characters in recent years. Yeah. None of which have been as commercially successful uh, as this one, though. Those are both super cool looking guys. Yes. If it's not weird for me to say that. No, they're um, yeah, they're handsome devils, and they're both really talented. 
I think growing up as a white athlete in the Midwest, I, I always had the sense that like black guys looked way cooler than us in general. And <laughs> I, I, well, I, I especially for those of us who were involved in the world of sports, like we just, yeah, because yeah. not only did they look way cooler, they were just better than us. <laughs> exactly. And I, I think I, I, deep down, I still probably think that like I was watching a movie with Mo's Def in it. And I was like, oh, man, I wish I looked like Mo's Def, yeah. you know, which which will never be a thing for me. Well, if and, you know what I look like. But what but. you're what you're talking about, though, is part of the reason this movie is so cool, because in most movies, that character is like they're like the splash of color in an otherwise like, sure. yeah, 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 it's a beige yep. film with one cool character or one character who's like it's. It's the sort of the the token tokenism in Hollywood, whereas yeah. this movie is entirely made up of that of people who are exceptionally cool, exceptionally talented, exceptionally good looking, exceptionally like yeah. just brilliant kind of across the board, and they, you know they each play their own unique characters, and so there's there's villains and dummies and and whatever yeah. else, but like that that's the whole movie. It, it's not yeah. like the one guy mixed in with your you know generic group of white folks. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Pipe, I'm going way off script here, but uh, this is something I think we alluded to via text, but we never fleshed out on the program. Have we talked about why 42 didn't exactly work as a baseball movie? I, I know that we've texted about it. I don't know that we've ever brought it up here. First of all, did you like that movie? I wanted to like that movie because Jack, because Jackie Robinson, like, I don't have many people who I would rate as heroes in my life. Yeah. Yeah. But he is somebody I go back to time and again as just somebody who is just – he's like a gravitational pull for me in a yeah. books about him, films about him, whatever it is. Phenomenal story. Yeah. Right? I mean just an unbelievable character in real life and an unbelievable – I watched the movie recently. I hadn't, I hadn't seen it in the year since it came out. And um, I watched it recently. It was pretty long. It was about two and a half hours. And it occurred to me that that movie – failed in the same way that a lot of Christian movies fail in that I think it it started with a message, the message being racism is bad. Mm -hmm. And it built the movie around that rather than just building it around a super compelling character and telling a great story. It's hard for me to not like a baseball movie. Like I'm predisposed to being romantic about baseball and and liking almost every baseball movie. But I, this one I, was a tough hang for me. I'm a harsh judge of baseball movies because mm -hmm. because I played a lot of baseball and like just the game itself it is yeah. usually pretty badly portrayed. Um, <laughs> yeah. I will say that the baseball in that movie was done pretty well. Like, yeah, I agree. like Bozeman's yeah. portrayal of Robinson on the field was really good. And I heard an interview with him where he yeah. talked about that. Like he, he went back and studied as much game film of Robinson as he could to figure out wow. mannerisms and even like how he slid. And yeah. there, was, there was an instance where he went in and corrected the, the stunt double who was doing something. Uh -huh. Cause he said, no, Robinson never slid like that. He always wow. slid on his right side or whatever it was. Uh -huh. So, I mean like that, that kind of stuff made me like it more in retrospect, but yeah, it just, yeah. it felt, it also felt very like, remember the Titans. Um, yeah. And, and which was a football movie I didn't like for right. the same reason. It, yeah, they – when you start with the moral of the story and you work your way backwards to build the narrative, yeah. it's not as good. Whereas like Jackie Robinson is – if they had made it just more of like a, a biopic, yeah. it, it could have – I think it could have worked because Bozeman's really good and Robinson's yeah. really compelling. And the yeah. story the story is – like it's been told and it remains one of the most significant stories in American sports history. So – yeah. Why? Yeah. The, why the whole time I was, 
Right. The whole time I was watching it, I was just like, I wish a real filmmaker had done this. Like yeah. if Ryan Coogler could do that, I'm sure it would be amazing. Yeah. You know, I would love to see like his interpretation of, of Jackie Robinson. I'm sure it'd be unbelievable. But um, yeah, I think the blind side was another one like that where yeah. I just felt like I was I was getting this heavy handed sermon you know, that was kind of syrupy through the whole thing. And, I mean, I think, and, I okay. think all those are Disney movies. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I think they are. But I mean, I that, that's like, that's yeah, like the, the Disney family thing is like, have to, it's, it is, it is like a Christian movie, sort of moralistic, that yeah, kind low of hanging thing. fruit, a yeah. very heavy handed, like social message. Um, yeah. Yeah. I really, I really dislike movies that do that. And I think maybe like deep down, I was worried that Black Panther would do that. Uh, but from everything I've I've read and, and heard, it sounds like it doesn't, which is uh, which is pretty great. Um, Pipe, I need I need your help with something, and I need your advice on something. Um, I have this phenomenon in my life where I am a I'm a relentless people pleaser, and I have trouble saying no to anything, such that um, whenever anyone invites me for coffee or a meal. Or any other context, which I don't want to do, which is most things. Um, I really have a lot of trouble saying no. So the question is, um, when you get coffee or meal invitations from people you don't want to hang with or people who just reach out to quote unquote connect, which is a thing that happens a lot in our business. <laughs> yes. I, just I mean, want to you connect. get the guy who's, yeah, the guy I just want to connect, man. Just the guy who's got the book idea. He wants to lay it on you over coffee. Um, what do you do when that happens? Because here's what I do. I say yes to all of it, and I end up resenting a good two-thirds of it at least, um, which is not a good way to live, like full of resentment and just fatigue. So how do you how do you deal with that? It depends on how the invitation comes in. Like if if somebody does the open-ended, like, man, we should grab coffee sometime, I'm just like, yeah, okay. And then I will never take initiative on that. If I, you know, yeah. if it's in you know, if it's somebody who's just who's just trying to connect. If yeah. somebody, if somebody you know, kind of in person or somebody who I cross paths with is like, can you grab coffee this Thursday? I basically yeah. just set the parameters for myself. It's like, I'll do coffee with anybody once, you know, yeah. like, yeah, it's just sort of, it's an hour that I'm going to pull out of my wallet and I'm going to spend, you know, yeah. and maybe something good will come out of it. Maybe it won't, but like, it's just trying to set that bar real low. Because then you yeah. don't get as frustrated. Um, yeah. And, you know, instead of sitting that, spending that hour thinking of all the other things I could be doing, I'm just like, you know what? It, it's fine. You know, yeah. it, if it's an online thing, like there's a guy who hit me up on Twitter a while back and was just like, hey, can you follow me back so I can send you a direct message? And I was like, this is not going to go well. But I can't publicly tell a guy no. Yeah. You know, and I felt like blowing him off would be rude. And so essentially he cornered me into doing a polite thing. And so I followed him back and was like, yeah, fire away. And then he just sent me this message that was like, I see that you like, you know, uh -huh. you, you work in publishing and podcasting. I just want to connect. And like that was the that was the message. message. That, that was a lot of buildup for that. I know. I was like, yeah. oh, OK. I mean, I didn't even respond because I was like, I, I believe this direct message counts as connecting then. Um, yeah. But then he followed it up with just a kind of. You know, several days later, with just like some open-ended questions, it's like, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And I'm like, "You know what? I don't have time for this. I don't have time yeah. to just sort of be your sounding board on ideas." Um, yeah. And and that thing is it, the the tension that I feel is I feel guilty thinking that my time is more important than their questions. 
Yeah. But I also feel like if I was in his shoes, I would never do what he's doing. Yeah. And I never did do it. And, and I don't know how you were like coming up in the, in the business, but I, I, it never occurred to me to like go to coffee with a bunch of people and see what kind of connections I could make. Um, and maybe it would have worked out better for me if I had, I don't know, maybe I would be like further along than I am, but Oh, it, I mean, playing that game does get you ahead in the world because as yeah. those people – like as this guy exemplified, if you ask, it's very hard for people to say no. You know, like it's – Yeah, I, I guess the thing, the thing about me though is I never wanted anyone to like begrudgingly say yes to me. Like I've always wanted people to want to have coffee with me and not just like say yes out of obligation like I do two-thirds of the time. Right. You know? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I just don't want people to feel that way about me. I can only remember one instance where I reached out to somebody. He was an author who I who I respected and liked a lot, who was coming to town for an event. Uh, yeah. And and I'd had some interactions with him in the past about some other publications that, you know, asking for endorsements, things like that. Um, yeah. And and so I reached out to him and just said, hey, I see you're going to be in town. Do you, you know, do you want to grab coffee or a drink or something like that? And he said, yes. I think because I asked and then sure. once I went – so I went and I went and met him and, and like after we were you know kind of chit-chatting for the first 30 minutes, he just looked at me and goes, what do you really want? Oh, wow. Which That's bold. <laughs> which I loved because like he, yeah. he, he, he completely turned the tables on me and was just like, so what's the ulterior motive? Like nobody just yeah. wants to connect. And I told right, him like, – Why are we doing this? Right, and I told him, I said, I said, actually, it is just because I, I enjoy your writing. We've interacted. You were kind enough to write this thing on my behalf, and yeah. uh, and I just, you know, just kind of, I wanted to to essentially befriend you at at a, at yeah. a casual level, like with no expectation that I'm going to like text <laughs> yeah. you hereafter. And yeah, and yeah. then we proceeded to hang out for another like hour and a half, two hours, and it was no big deal. But yeah, but it was, but I kind of love that where he's like, what, what do you, what do you want, dude? I love that too. I respect that. That's that's. What you're describing is almost like a weird male dating scenario, you know, in which like you <laughs> it's like you it was you, like a defining the relationship 30 minutes. Dude, it was in. a defining the relationship like you want to be friends with somebody. I don't think I've ever done that necessarily, but I, I had one of those in grad school where we had a, a visiting writer. His name's Andre Debuse. He wrote a novel called The House of Sand and Fog that was made into a movie that got that got really successful a few yeah. years ago. And, um, he had written a memoir I really liked about fighting called Townie. And, um, we ended up like talking after his talk and we ended up like going out together that night in Ashland, Ohio. And he, he almost like got us into a fight at one of these like John Deere hat type bars. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it was a good moment, but, but yeah, the, the understanding was never like, so I'm going to, I'm going to text you and make sure you got home. Okay. Afterward or whatever. So, um, one of the worst ones of these I've ever had pipe. And I did, sadly, I have several, uh, you know, these things going bad stories. So a guy reached out to me. This was many years ago in Michigan. And, you know, I'd written several books and I'd written several Christian books. The KDY stuff had happened. And um, this dude reached out to me who was in he was in like the marketing into the publishing industry in Grand Rapids. But he was going independent like he was starting his own, you know, book marketing company or whatever. Oh, just as a general and, rule, avoid people who are going independent. Dude, exactly. That was my first red flag. And going independent usually means I was laid off or fired. Um, that's the that's the yeah, subtext. Or, or I'm a pain in the you know what to work with. So yeah. like it, if if I'm if I'm not getting fired, uh, nobody likes me. So here's how this thing went down. He goes, uh, 
he goes, you know what? I'd love to meet up with you and just pick your brain. Pick your brain is a big, is a big buzzword. That's another red flag. But he goes, I'd love to just pick your brain about some publishing industry stuff. And, um, he's like, you know what? Why don't I take you to breakfast? And I'm like, you know what? I got to eat anyway. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hit him back and I'm like, where would you like to meet up? Just pick a place and I'll meet you there. <laughs> and he texts back and he goes, how about Burger King? And I'm just like, is there a sadder place on the planet to have breakfast than a Burger King? I mean, like, like if he had I said, don't know wa- that there is. If, if he had said Waffle House, I mean, I don't know if they Dude, have like, Waffle I can get House. Like, Waffle House though. Like, yeah, but like Waffle House is like. Okay, he's starting up yeah. like he's he's trying to keep yeah. business expenses to a minimum, but at least yeah. like they serve breakfast. Like Burger King doesn't serve breakfast. Burger King serves yeah, right. the same crap they do at lunch. They just do pork instead of beef. Yeah, they just put it on like a croissant instead of a, a bun, and it's the same stuff. Dude, so we meet at the sad Burger King off the highway, and you know, we're talking and and it's time it comes time to order, and he like pays for his thing. And then I step up and I, I, it occurs to me that like we're paying for our own stuff, you know, that he wasn't in fact getting me breakfast, that whatever sad like Burger King sandwich I was I was eating at the moment, I was financing it myself. And um, it was just like a profoundly sad moment where it's like here we both are sitting with our trays of sad food, <laughs> talking about sad publishing industry <laughs> stuff. And I was just like, oh, I wish I'd said no. You know, yeah, I wish I could learn. I wish I had the equipment inside of me and my psyche to say no to people. Yeah, I I had it. I had it. It wasn't it wasn't that kind of experience, but it was the one that stands out in my mind as the most like what is going on here. So working in the social media marketing realm, like there's a ton of like independent social media marketer connector types and uh, they're inherently untrustworthy and mm-hmm. always selling and just generally yeah. kind of overly energetic. So this this guy hits yeah. me up. Like energetic dirtbacks. <clears throat> yeah, just – yeah, I mean kind of. It's Yeah, it's like used car sales mini, uh, yeah. you know, for just, just with, with – uh, a lot of Facebook metrics instead of instead of eight cylinder engines. Um, exactly. And and so this guy hits me up via email, and he says, "Hey, see that you're in the same industry. I've worked on some projects that are similar to some of these things." And he sends me his website with all these projects. And I'm like, "Okay, that's fine." He's like, "I would love to get together and just sort of bounce ideas off you." I think he avoided using the phrase "pick your brain," but just sort of yeah. like, you know, just sort of like share ideas. And I'm like, again, this is that hour. I can, that's what that's yeah. what's in my mind. So then he's like, my assistant will set something up. And I'm like, this is interesting because I'm pretty sure it was a virtual assistant who lives in like Mumbai. Bangladesh. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then they send me a link to to this app called Calendly, which is where you can like set up scheduling. People use it for scheduling podcasts and whatever. But it's weird yeah. when you're just trying to get coffee with somebody. So I totally. click on it and I'm like, OK, everything about this feels a little bit odd. I get there. Everything is in 15-minute slots. Yep. So he's I've like, I can meet you at this coffee shop for 15 minutes. And Dude, I just, does this guy live in Nashville? He does. I think I – I think it's the same guy. I think I've had coffee with that guy too. Okay, I did not. I, had, I did not have coffee. I emailed back and I said, I said, uh, it takes me eleven minutes to get to that coffee shop. If we're going to get together, I would need at least an hour of your time for it to be worth it. And, yeah, we're not doing. And that was minutes. the end. Yeah, I was like, I was like, fifty. I, I don't. Fifteen minutes is a stand-up meeting at work, and it's a fruitful conversation where you're trying to like solve a problem or clarify an issue. You don't bounce yeah. ideas off people for fifteen minutes at a coffee shop on the other side of town. Like Dude, it just, where it takes fifteen minutes to find a parking space. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. and seven dollars. Like it just. It, yeah. I I really wanted to just rip him apart for that one and be like, 
you know this is a really terrible way to to treat people, right? Like this yeah. doesn't create a good impression of you. Um, it's just a bad look. And I just I, instead I just said sorry, it's not worth it. And I yeah, I wish yeah. I would do that more often, but I only do that when people really rub me the wrong direction. Dude, you mentioned the personal assistant thing. Can I share like a triumph that happened just today? Um, yes, yeah, since, so since it's a glum week, I think you should share all your triumphs. Dude, yeah. I'll, well, I have one triumph from this week. <laughs> Fair and enough. It, and it happened today. I'm, I'm going to share it. So that's, that's it. That's sadly. all of them. But, right. um, so this we, – we just hired – uh, a new administrative assistant for our, our office, for our little group, our department of, uh, excuse me, of, uh, of professors. And um, I have a weird thing where in addition to not being able to say no, I have a hard time asking people to do stuff for me. And so the whole concept of having like an assistant to like make copies or do things that I could do, but I'm just asking her to do it. Like it's, it's always been really weird for me. So without like belaboring the details. I had a scenario in which I went to a Walmart yesterday, which is the saddest place on earth. Um, and I was trying to, I was trying to even, buy even like sadder a, than Burger King breakfast, even sadder than Burger King breakfast. I was trying to buy like a burner phone for my 15 year old son so that he could, cause he dropped his other one in the toilet or whatever. And, um, I was trying to buy a burner phone at Walmart it might be the saddest like sentence I've ever said out loud. But, um, Suffice to say, I, I purchased it. There was a problem with it. They didn't scan it correctly. So the, the guy from the phone company was like, you're going to have to go back in and like get that rescanned. And the idea of doing that, Piper, just devastated me. Like it was more than I could handle today. Like I, I was just literally like, I don't think I can do it. You know, I don't think I can drag myself back in there to have this sad like 30 minute ordeal. So, um, my assistant overheard me having that conversation with the phone guy, and she was like, um, what if I went and did that for you? And I was like – or no, I asked her, and she was like, I was going to ask you. And um, she was like, I love doing stuff like that, so I'll take it. I'll go. And lo and behold, she came back like an hour later with the problem totally solved. What? And I feel like it – That's yeah, amazing. I, dude, I feel like it's changed my life. Literally, it was like it was it was probably the coolest thing that's happened to me in two weeks. I mean, the, it was the, amazing. I don't understand the phrase. I love doing things like that. I didn't either. So I pressed her on that a little bit. And she was like, I just like doing tasks that have that have an outcome. And I felt like this is the last kind of task I want to do. So if you like doing that, then God bless you. Knock yourself out. So she did it. And the problem solved. And. I avoided another trip to Walmart, which just for me feels like a towering achievement. I just feel like I've won at life today, you know? Yeah, I think if you – I mean I I go to Walmart like twice a year um, out of out of usually sheer necessity. It's like I'm out of 9-volt yeah. batteries and my smoke alarm is just beeping incessantly and it's like the one place that's open or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. that scenario. It's never it really anything is. else. No, I mean it's a it's a it's a necessity only kind of place, and uh, yeah, the idea of going there like two times in in two days was just more than I could bear. Um, that's so two, that's two years worth of Walmart. Yeah, so Sid, if you're if you're listening, thank you for going to Walmart, and she's a fan of the show. Actually, she listens every week, so um, thank you for listening as well. Pipe, we have uh, we've pretty much exhausted this thing, man. We've wandered to and fro. Uh, throughout this app, what did it what did it feel like for you recording without without Ron and realizing that we're going to be in a Ronless 
environment for the next couple of months at least. I, I have mixed feelings. I feel like, you know, I, I really would have liked um, Ron's input on uh, – yeah. sp- especially on the the people just trying to connect and the coffee thing. I realized that – like because it's always fun when you put a pastor in a position to say negative things about people that they know. Um, yeah. Like, I, I feel I, like I, getting coffee with people is his life. You right. Know, that, and, and, you, and, and I'm certain that he doesn't want to get coffee with at least half those people. So yeah. uh, I, I wish we could have put him in a spot to to try to shimmy out of that because he's really good at it and it's it's fun to observe. But I also Dude, it's it's fun to watch him like, yeah, finagle his way out of uncomfortable questions that that, man, that in and of itself. I, is like I don't know. Uh, and, you know, it's hard, man, because. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's hard, man, because is, yeah. is perfect. But but I also feel good because because I feel like we can do it like we yeah. we did it yeah. and we can we do did. it for a few more weeks and then yep. Ron will be back. And, and so this tells me that, like, we we can stand on our own four feet. We don't we don't need Absolutely. we don't need the fifth and sixth feet. Yeah, this is the this is a, a yeah we we're we're adults we're radio adults we can we can handle this on our own. Pipe, I'm going to leave you with one last sad story of somebody wanting to connect. So this was uh, this was also in West Michigan. This was a few years ago, and uh, Zach Bartles and myself had written a book called The Christian Gentleman's Smoking Companion, and we had a guy reach out to us, um, and he said, you know, I'm doing this event. And I would love for you guys to bring a case of books and, and sign them and talk about the books a little bit. And, you know, we'll have, you know, we'll have food, we'll have barbecue, we'll have cigars. It'll just be a great night. And I'm like, wow, well, that sounds good. You know, it's hard to say no to that. Right. So Zach and I piled in a car and, and made the drive out there. It was about an hour and a half with a case of books. And um, we showed up and it was at this guy's house. And we went to the front door and and the wife was sort of like, you know, yeah, they're out back. And I was like, huh, that's strange. So we walk through like their, their living room with, you know, baskets of their laundry on the floor and, and, you know, house stuff. Mm-hmm. And we go out back and there's this random assortment of like middle-aged men and none of them greet us and none of them look up. And, you know, eventually a guy makes his way over and he was like the host of the thing. And, um, he just say, he shakes our hand and he's like, well, there's, you know, there's barbecue over there. You guys help yourselves to whatever you want. And so Zach and I sat down and we were like, this, this is it. This is the thing. And, you know, it was horrible. And, and we made awkward chit chat with a couple of these guys. And about 15 minutes in, I start texting Zach, like, baby, you got to get me the, the blank out of Dodge. <laughs> right. Like, yes, I hate this. I want to die. You know, blah, 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 blah. I'm being real extra, man, real over the top via text. And, and he was feeling me. He understood. And so we, uh, we, we finally get the, the main guy to like introduce us and he butchers my name. Right. And in the, in the name was on the front of the book. It was on the cover. Yeah. So he forgets well, my I mean, name. I, I can understand mispronouncing like Bartles yeah. as like Bartels or, or something, but like yeah. Ted Cluck is Dude, it's, like, it's, that, that's literally a name that's written into like kids books for like see Jane run, see Ted yeah. climb. Like this is, yeah. this is really straightforward. Dude, it's like it's two syllables all together. You know, it's not that hard. So he introduces us. We sell Barnabas one copy of the book. Like one guy buys one book for the whole night. Um, and then finally I go up to the guy. I'm like, look, we got to go. Uh, we got this thing we got to do and and we got to go. And um, he's like, well, I'm sorry. You know, more guys didn't buy books. And then he did the evangelical thing where he put his hand on our shoulder, on my shoulder. 
He was like, you know, let me let me take the rest of these books and I will covenant to get the word out about about this. And in our minds, we were like, oh, great. He's going to pay. He's going to buy the rest of the inventory. Right. He's going to pay us for all these books. And uh, so he took the box of books. But then it occurred to us that uh, he, he was, in fact, not going to buy any of them. And we had just like we'd been bookjacked, basically. And we'd, we'd give it, we'd lost hundreds of dollars that evening. All, all for the, all for the price of really bad conversation. All for the rights. Yeah. Really, really sad conversation. And then finally we were like, okay, we're going to leave. And he goes, um, if you guys could just walk around the outside of the house, when you go, we, we just had our carpets cleaned. So, you know, we don't want to, so we, we make this walk of shame, like around, like around the gutters, around the side of the house over like the kids T-ball stuff. It was horrible. <laughs> Dude, I was so mad. I don't think I've ever sworn more in my life than I did on the Friday. <laughs> That's terrible. I and th- th- it's th- the audacity of people is astounding to me because like you yeah. you did get con- you got conned. You got played out of a box of books. We got, we got, we got jacked, man. Like because the the only way to to get those books back with you would have been to essentially pick a fight. Yes. And be That's like right. be like either say no or yeah. say are you going to pay for those? But yeah. you're in the man's home. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So part of my hatred on the way home was like self-hatred. You know what I mean? Like I was mad at him, but I was really mad at myself yes. for, for not saying no on the front end and then not demanding the money for the books. I just, there was a, there was a lot of loathing going around that evening. Oh, that's, that story takes the cake. That's amazing. I mean, I, I have a knot in my stomach just imagining being there and having to deal with that. Dude, exactly. And then dealing with it with Zach Bartels, who's also like a little bit of a rageaholic as well. It was it was just classic. It was fascinating. Did did he uh, uh, did he behave himself? He did. The, the thing about Zach is he he very much behaves himself in person. Like the only persona that you get to see of Zach is this kind of this this internet persona, which is very different from the real persona. So um, yeah, he behaved himself. He probably. You know, he probably—I was going to say—he probably behaved himself more than me, but I, I think we behaved ourselves at a, at a similar level that night. But we were both pretty, uh, you know, pretty wounded by the whole thing. So <laughs> that's, never again. Yeah, man. that's awful. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing, though. It is, dude. It is. It's amazingly awful. Well, pipe. We have uh, we have done what we often do, which is wander to and fro throughout this program. Uh, Big R, if you're listening, I, I know you're not, but but if you are, uh, we miss you. And until next time, until until live in Louie for Big R, uh, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. 
Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform.